Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Today we are wrapping up our three-week series called Breath of Life, which uh, I think has been really uh, encouraging. Uh, it's been really cool hearing the feedback from, from you guys, and um, I'm believing that today is going to be powerful. Um, you know, this is really about exploring passages of Scripture where it actually talks about God breathing on a situation and how it has this transformative effect on whatever it touches. And, uh, and so we're looking and seeing how God wants to breathe into our lives and from that space, how he wants to transform us. And we have this key thought that we have been carrying with us throughout this series, and that is this, is that just like the lungs in our chest need air, need oxygen, need breath to survive, our spiritual lungs need God's breath of life to thrive, okay? We need God to breathe inside of us. We need God to give us life and to create and to restore. And so last week we talked about God's restoring breath, right? That there are things that are broken in our lives, things that are dead in our lives, maybe dreams or or things that we're frustrated with that God wants to and has the ability to, to speak over, to breathe onto, and he can restore when all things seem lost. And we learned that God really wants to restore through us rather than just for us, which is often the reason why we don't see God doing what we want in the moment, but it's also we have to look and see what he's doing inside of us and who he's causing us to become. And so as we seek him, we learned last week, as we seek him, and as we choose to trust him and partner with him in faith, we will see God restore the broken areas of our lives. Well, this week, we're going to finish off our exploration of the breath of life by learning about the third kind of concept or function of his breath, and that is his sending breath, his sending breath. Because see, here's the thing. God doesn't just want to create dreams in us. God doesn't just want to restore brokenness in our lives, but God also wants to partner with us, and he wants to send us. He wants us to be representatives of him in our world. He wants us to be carriers of his goodness, he wants to give us what he, what he promises us, his faith, right, his goodness, his grace, his restoration, those dreams. But then he wants to send us out into our families, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods, into our, the lives of those around us, and to bring light into those spaces. He wants to send us. Well, I want to start with asking you guys a question. Have you ever been sent somewhere, maybe a boss, or given an errand to run, or a task to complete, but they didn't give you the tools that you needed to do it? or didn't give you the instructions that you needed to. So you might have found yourself in a place where you were just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Anybody in the room ever been like that? Well, my wife had an experience like this last year. She had got a new job at her chiropractic office that she was working at. And part of her responsibility was to go out into the city, the neighborhood of Lawrenceville, and to go up and down the street and visit businesses, local businesses in the area. And she had this thing called a lead box, which was a a box that, that people would put cards in. They would fill out cards, and then they would put that card inside the box, and periodically Heather would come back and collect them, and that would be a lead for them to call or to, you know, to get interest for their chiropractic services. Heather's responsibility was to go to these various places and set up the boxes, talk to the managers, the owners of the businesses, and get them to be, uh, allow her to put these boxes in. 
Well, they didn't tell her where the boxes were supposed to go. They didn't tell her how to put the boxes together. They didn't tell her what to say when she got into the, uh, into the business. And so Heather found herself in a place where she was walking up and down, pacing back and forth between various office buildings or various uh, you know, coffee shops or restaurants and wondering whether the person inside was going to be friendly or not, and passing by, going to another place, not really knowing what to do. And this is an example of what oftentimes happens to us in situations where when we're given a job, we're sent out to do something, but we don't necessarily know how to do it or we don't feel equipped or we don't feel like we were given the right tools to do it. Now, a moment ago, I just said that God wants to send us, that he wants to breathe over us and send us into our world. But the good news is, is that we actually have been given instructions. The good news is that we have been given the tools, we just have to know what they are and how to use them. And so today we're going to explore a passage of Scripture where this all began. And I'm believing that it's going to be really encouraging for each one of us because not only does God want to send us, but he's given us something. The tools that he has given us are incredible. And if we would just learn to understand how God has already put it inside of us, and then how to give that to other people, I think it's going to simplify things and we'll have a much better understanding of what God wants to do through us. So if you guys would open your Bibles to John chapter 20. If you have a, a Bible or a smartphone or a tablet with the, uh, the Bible app on it, I encourage you to open it up to John chapter 20. I want to remind everybody that we have free Bibles at our Connection Center. We also have uh, notebooks there for you. If you'd like to take notes, I encourage you to do that. And if you haven't already, download the Bible app on your phone or your tablet. You can follow along with us today, but also take the Bible with you anywhere you go. John chapter 20. Verses 19 to 23. Let's begin reading here, and we're going to talk about it, what's going on here in just a second. Verse 19 says, When it was evening of the first day of the week, which was Sunday, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. We're going to pause there for a second. Why? Why were they afraid? What were they, what were they afraid of? Well, a little context about this right here is that they were terrified that the Jewish leaders were going to hunt them down and kill them like they did their Savior Jesus just a couple days before. This is Sunday after Good Friday that we know of is the day that Jesus Christ was crucified, right? Now, they had just spent the last three and a half years following this man Jesus around from town to town all over Israel. They clocked a whole lot of feet miles, okay, because they didn't have horses and buggies. They didn't have cars. and They walked everywhere. They spent day and night with Jesus, watching him pray over people, do miracles in their lives, teaching to thousands, feeding people, right? All of the things that we know and love about Jesus, they saw him. They believed that he was the Messiah. They believed that he was the one that everyone had been waiting for, the chosen one, right? They believed that. They gave their lives. They lost their jobs. They left everything behind to follow Jesus. And then all of it came crashing down in one moment when they were betrayed by one on the inside. One of their friends, Judas, betrayed Jesus and betrayed all of them. Jesus is taken away. He's put on a sham court kind of a, a, a trial, right? And he's convicted and he goes to death on a cross and he's dead. And then he gets put into a tomb. And as far as the disciples are aware at this point, they thought it was over. They're confused. They have no idea what's going on. I thought that he was the one. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine the, the feeling of, I thought, and maybe some of you in the room are, right now are in, a, are in a space where something has gone wrong in your life today, and you're thinking, I don't understand. I don't know what happened. I thought that this was going to be different. 
And the disciples are holed up inside of a room or they're locked in a room because they're worried that at any moment the same high priest and the same Jewish leaders and the same mob who hunted down Jesus and brought him to his death could crash down their door and at any moment could take them away. They're terrified. Now the good news is, is that it's Sunday morning. Jesus is missing from his tomb. And just before in that morning, Mary Magdalene and Peter and John both had been went to go visit the tomb to make sure that everything was okay. They were going to prepare the body because the Sabbath had gone down. They didn't have a chance to really uh, be able to prepare him for burial, right? So they kind of just, Jesus was taken down off the cross. They put him in a tomb. They wrapped him up and they put the stone there. And then at the end of the weekend, they were going to come back and they were going to get him ready in all the actual funeral, uh, you know, uh, preparations, okay? And when they get there, they find that the tomb is already open, It's already gone, and Jesus isn't in there, but they still have no idea what's going on. So Peter and John, both of them, see that he's gone but don't know what happened, and they go back to their friend's house where they're all locked up, and Mary runs inside. This is all in John 20 before we get to where we're at right now. And Mary comes in and goes, the Lord is risen. Now imagine for a second, this is in a society where where women's word is taken for nothing, it doesn't matter at this point of time, okay? I think it's interesting that the Bible makes a woman be the first person, the first person to see Jesus and the first person to declare that he's risen. It shows that our God cares about women, even if the world does not. I love that. That's a side note there. So the woman comes in, and even though she was part of the ministry, imagine for a second what these guys are thinking. Okay, Mary, I know you're delusional. That's probably what they're thinking. So the Bible picks up in John 20, verse 19, and says to us that they were terrified. They were afraid because of the Jews. What is going on? They're not knowing what to do. It continues. Jesus came and stood among them somehow behind locked doors and said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus just literally either appeared or had a way of unlocking the door or walked through the door. Who knows? We have no idea. It doesn't say. It just says, suddenly Jesus came and stood before them. And the first thing that he says, and I love this, take this for where you are today, peace. Peace be with you. We sang a song today about it is well, right? The waves and the wind right now outside. I'm looking at trees like looking like they're going to blow over. The waves and the wind are crashing all over the place. We see Jesus in a story with his disciples taking a nap in the back of the boat. And his disciples are terrified that he's going to, that the boat is going to capsize because of a storm. And Jesus stands up and says, peace, be still to the winds and the waves. And we sing a song. It is well in our soul. Why? Because our God every time always says peace. That's what he calls us to, peace. It doesn't matter what's swirling around you. I understand the pain that you're going through. I understand the things that you're afraid of, the weights that you're carrying. I understand that you're terrified. You just saw me. You don't understand what you saw three days ago. And even right now, they're like, I, 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 I could not possibly process what I'm seeing. And he says to them, just, shh, peace be with you. I love that. Peace be with you. Verse 20, having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Why? Because he understood what they needed. He understands that, that they, their brains were just not going to be able to comprehend. Is this a delusion? Are we so stressed out that we're seeing things? That, is this someone else? Like, and Jesus goes, look, look at, my, look at my side. Look at my hands. Look at the, the wounds in my body. And he says, peace. Be with you. Again, he's just like, calm down. I can just imagine them just like, 
Like, I need to get a coffee. Like, they're just, I cannot imagine what it must have been like for them. And he twice says, peace, peace be with you. Settle down. And then he sees an instruction. He says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, you're like, I don't understand. Like, I'm terrified. Jesus, I need like 20 minutes of like, what happened? Where have you been for three days? Like, that's what, so here's what you need to understand about Scripture is that John wrote down, like, this is like the Cliff's Notes. Like, it's like the outline of what happened, all right? I'm sure that between verses 19 and 20 and verses 20 and 21, there was probably like a lot of talking and a lot of like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're back, Jesus. Hey, man, like hugging and all sorts. Like, I'm sure that was all there. But John is recording because there's a purpose to his writing. He wants us to understand what Jesus was there for. He wasn't just there to be like, hey, guys, it's cool. Don't worry. I got this. That's part of it. But what he's really getting at, the thing that John left with out of that meeting, take this, understand this. In that moment, it wasn't that Jesus, that John and all the disciples walked out of that, that room and were like, the thing that's most important in this moment was that we got to see Jesus' wounds. Like, that was part of it because he wrote it. It wasn't that we laughed for hours and we felt better. No, the thing that, they, that John felt compelled to communicate to us and every person who read this story is that Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. Now check this out, verse 22. After saying this, this is weird, he breathed on them. I'm sorry, What? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pause there for a second. This series is titled Breath of Life. The words breath of life, right? The concept of our God speaking something. And out of his mouth comes his breath, and his breath is full of life. The Hebrew word that we've been talking about, anybody remember it? Ruach, excellent. The Hebrew word ruach is the breath that is filled with intention to create or to restore or to send. Now, an interesting fact for you is that the word here for breathe is not ruach. It's a Greek word. But that Greek word is used once in the New Testament, one time. And it's actually used like 11 times in the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And that same word is the same word used for breathing life into Adam in Genesis. It's the same word. So even though it's not the Hebrew word ruach, again, when Jesus breathes on him, that's why it's here. It's not just another random thing. Like, that's weird. Jesus' breath probably smelled not so great because he didn't have, like, toothpaste or anything. That's not the point. The point is he breathed on him, symbolizing something that just like God breathed life into Adam and infused something, the same thing is happening in this moment. The disciples are lost. The disciples have no ability to further the gospel. They can't bring salvation to anyone. They can't heal anyone. They can't do anything without Jesus directly commanding them to do it until now. Why? Because he breathes on them the ruach. He breathes on them the breath of life. And in that moment, infuses, like unlocks. That's the idea, is that the Holy Spirit is unlocked to now come into each one of us. And the Bible says that in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of humanity. And the Holy Spirit was no longer just Jesus. It was no longer just God. But instead now, the Holy Spirit is put into the lives of every single person who calls on the name of Jesus, which means that in this moment, when he breathes and says, receive the Holy Spirit, he's infusing his power, his life into you, into us. When we say, I believe in you, Jesus, restore my life. I will follow you. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus lives inside of us. 
And so when he was breathing on them, he was infusing, symbolically saying, the time is changing. This is now a time of transition. It's no longer about one person. It's now about the body. It's about the church. He says, so I was sent. Now I'm sending you. You understand? This was a a switchover. This is the moment where everything changed. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. This is the new era when the church, the body of Christ, is born. This is the moment. This is the moment right here where he says, if everything is about to change, we have been sent, but not without instructions and not without the tools that we need. In fact, he gives us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming and living within us. And it means that Jesus is literally with us everywhere we go. So the question really then is, is what are we sent with? I mean, he was pretty clear about it, right? He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. But at the risk of us feeling like, well, what am I supposed to do? And what are my instructions? What are my tools? We see some clues in this passage of Scripture. There are three things that I believe this passage of Scripture teaches that what we're sent with. What are we sent with? The first thing that we're sent with is peace. Verse 19 says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then again in verse 21, he says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. We see that God has given us peace. One of the best things about following Christ is that no matter the circumstance, we can have peace in our lives. In fact, the Bible talks about it a lot. One of the scriptures talks about that we are given a peace that passes the mind's understanding. What does that mean? That means that when your life is falling apart, that that somehow because of the spirit of God living within us, that we know at our core it is well with our soul. That's what that song means. That the peace of our soul is not because of our circumstances. The peace that Jesus was offering is the peace deep within, where it matters the most. Like we talked about in our series last month, Soul Detox, that we are a body with a soul, or a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. We are a soul primarily. And when our soul is at rest, when our soul is at peace, our body and its ailments, our financial circumstances, right? Our, our relationship problems, our fears, all the things that are rumbling around us, the wind, the waves that are crashing, the things that are threatening to, to kill us, the things that we're worried we're going to capsize. What does Jesus do in those circumstances? He speaks peace into them. And in fact, in the New Testament, we see the letters of Peter and the letters of the Apostle Paul talking about the suffering that they're going through They're in jail. They've been shipwrecked. They've been beaten up. They have no money. They're hungry. They thought they were going to die. And what does he say? I'm at peace. Contentment. In fact, in the book of James, he says, I consider it joy when I face trials of all kinds because I know that that those trials develops maturity and develops endurance. You see, like the Bible is abundantly clear that, that our circumstances may never get better, but that we are provided peace because of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus offers us that, but it takes a focus on him. It takes a focus on our, on our soul and saying that to ourselves. Like we talked about in the song, it is well. So, oh, my soul, you're talking to your soul. You're reminding yourself, no, be at peace because of the one I serve. Now, so we've been given peace. We've been sent with peace. Number two, we're also sent with a testimony, with a testimony. Look what Jesus does in verse 20. Having said this, He showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Each one of you have scars. Each one of you have marks on your body. 
Each one of you have marks on your spirit and your soul and your mind. You understand the situations you have gone through. And you're sitting here today and you can look back over your life and you could say, I know, wow, look how that moment, I I thought I wasn't going to get out of it. And look what God did. You can see who you used to be. You can see the things you used to struggle with. You can see the areas of your life that you were weak and now you're strong. You see what I'm saying? You have a testimony. Just like Jesus walked into the room and said, this is what I've just done. And they rejoiced because they, it proved something to them. The same is true for us. We carry a testimony. We have been sent not just with peace. Because it's easy for us to go into the world to our friends and be like, hey, just chill, man. Just find peace. It's okay. It's going to get better. But you know what really brings it home? Is when you tell a story about how you're at peace because of what's going on around you. In the middle, in the middle of it, in spite of it. You know what really brings the experience home, what really challenges people, is when you tell someone about how you used to be this and how because of the Lord you're now this. And you have a peace about it, but you are a new person, a new creation. Your life is different. The testimony, the story, your experience. I hear people all the time say that you cannot refute someone's experience. And even if they don't believe you, it doesn't matter. They can never take away from you what has happened in your life. So God has given us a testimony, a story to tell. You know, the concept of a testimony is like in a courtroom. That's why we're called to be witnesses, right? The concept is very court. It's very evidence-based. Your life is the evidence. Your life is the testimony. You are called to the stand, and the life, the world is asking you questions. Why do you believe in Jesus? How do you know he is real? How do you know that if you follow his teachings that you will be better? Your life is the testimony. Your story is the the answer. Does that make sense? We are given the story. We're given a testimony, peace, testimony, and we're also sent with grace. This is something our world could use a lot of. Verse 23, he finishes his comment to them, and he says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What does that mean? What we're talking about here is the giving and holding back of grace. God is the only one who can offer forgiveness, who can ultimately wipe the slate clean. But as we've learned, that God partners with us, and he gives us a lot of authority. He gives us a lot of ability, and he says, I want you to be my agent of grace. I want you to be my agent of forgiveness, And what happens in our lives when we hold back mercy, when we hold back forgiveness, when we hold back grace? Does God step in and fix that relationship because we didn't? Not often. Most of the time, when we hold back grace upon friends or family members, when we hold back forgiveness, when we hold bitterness in our hearts, what happens? That relationship destroys. It becomes devolved, right? Division has taken place. Why? Because of this principle. God has given us grace. He's shown us mercy. He's shown us love and forgiveness. And now he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you, which means you are now to carry that grace to other people. You need to be the carrier of grace, of love, of mercy, of forgiveness. How will the world ever know that Jesus is real? How will the world ever know if Jesus is a kind God, that he is not a hypocrite, that he is not judgmental? All the things that people think about him because of us as a church, a body, as a whole around the world. Horrible things that are happening in the news right now in the Catholic Church with the, 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 the sexual abuse and pedophilia and all these things. Even though we're not Catholic, 
The world sees it and doesn't understand the distinction. They see the same. So unless we offer mercy, unless we offer grace, unless we extend forgiveness, right? Unless we live out our testimony, unless we speak out peace, how will they ever see who Jesus truly is if our lives don't reflect it? You see, he has sent us with peace. He sent us with testimony. And he has sent us with grace. Our worship team can go ahead and come back up. You might still be sitting here thinking, that sounds great, but I feel I'm afraid, I'm worried. I don't, I don't feel motivated. Whatever it might be, you have been sent with these things. You've been sent with peace. You've been sent with a testimony and you've been sent with grace, but you have been equipped with power. You've been equipped with power. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus just before weeks, maybe even a week after he had risen from the grave. He had appeared to his disciples at various times, and he was about to ascend to heaven. He was about to take a moment where he was going up, and when now we look ahead to him for his return. But he gave instructions. One of the things that he told them was to go into all the world. The Great Commission, right? Go into all the world preach the gospel, make disciples, go, send, right? But look what he says just before that, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The power to freely give what we have received. So here we see this moment where the disciples were in a room and they're terrified, and they're huddled over, and they're hoping any sound outside of the door was probably like, this is it. This is the moment. We're about to be arrested, right? That's probably what they were thinking. We go from that space where Jesus comes in and infuses into our world the power of the Holy Spirit. It's transitioning to where now we are sitting here today because of the Spirit of God that lives within us. Fast forward. That was the beginning, and fast forward to the space now where Jesus has already given them. He says, wait, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will have power to now give what you have given, been received freely. You can freely give it. Power. You know that word right there? The Greek word is dynamo, which is the word that we get dynamite from. The, the explosion, the power, the force, the ability to do something that is beyond its barrier or its obstacle. In this case, the Holy Spirit, he says, you will have power to give grace. You will have power, power, to give mercy and forgiveness. You have power to share your testimony. You will have power to give peace. And that seems interesting or weird to say, right? But you're thinking to yourself, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have the, the place or the ability or I'm worried or I'm afraid to speak into the circumstances. I'm afraid to tell my story. I'm afraid to, to what it might mean if I, if I offer forgiveness to someone who might take advantage of me, whatever it might be. But listen, the Holy Spirit gives you power, dynamite power to break through that. And like we found out last week, so often the breakthrough comes as we step out in obedience, as we step out in faith. God begins to put things to work. He begins to do it because he partners with us. He prioritizes participation and prioritizes partnership. So as we step across that line in faith, we begin to see that breakthrough happen. So if you're at work or you're at home, 
you're out somewhere with someone and you feel prompted to tell your story. As you say, hey, I want to I tell you a story from my life about the situation. As you begin to do that and you trust in faith, in that moment, I believe that that's what it's talking about, the dynamo, the power. It will break through. And not just like physically, it's not like all of a sudden the person's going to fall to their knees and, you know, and like repent of their sin. That's not what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit can penetrate in their heart of stone. Our job is to just be obedient, is to listen, is to say, I want to be sent. I see that you've sent me. You've given me the tools. You've given me peace. You've given me a story to tell. You've given me grace. And now my expectation is to, is to give it to others. In the middle of your fr- frustrating situation, commanding peace, the power to command peace. You just pray over that. God, I believe your, your word says that because the Holy Spirit lives in me that I have power. I have power to be at peace in the middle of this swirling storm. I have the power that you are will drive me as I tell my story that you will protect me, that you have a purpose for me. I I believe in your power that as I offer grace and mercy when everything inside of me wants to, to beat someone down, when I want to retaliate with anger or frustration, when I want to hold back forgiveness, I believe your power will protect me. I believe your power will change that circumstance. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, literally the same one who healed, the same one who rose from the dead, the same one who walked on water, that same one is who lives within us. That power, that dynamite power can give us the ability to have peace and to offer peace in a world that needs desperately, to offer forgiveness, to offer grace, and to tell our story. That's what our world needs. It needs a witness. It needs people who will say who Jesus truly is. I want to close with an illustration. The concept of sending, I feel like, is a lot like a sprinkler. What Jesus is trying to do is what happened in that day when he said, I'm going to breathe over you, receive the Holy Spirit. That's like a sprinkler with the hose coming into the side. One source, right? One space. Jesus would, was able to do one at a time. He would touch one person, right? He would heal one person. He would do one thing. He's one person, right? The sprinkler, though, pulls that water in and then sprays it out all around it. It goes in, in either in circles or it goes in waves, right? The concept of it coming inwardly in one space, the concept of sending is now the Spirit of God has been placed inside of us and now our responsibility is to disperse it, disperse grace, disperse our testimony, right? Disperse peace everywhere we go. Don't worry about saving souls, don't worry about, about, you know, well, what if people don't want to know Jesus? Don't worry about that. Your job is to spread the seed everywhere you go. Tell your story. Spread grace. Spread peace. Spread your story. And the Holy Spirit will use those as seeds to touch people, to begin planting in their hearts. Yes, we should be intentional. Yes, we should be bold. We're given power. We're given the dynamite of the Holy Spirit inside of us to to step outside of our boundaries, right? To step outside of our comfort zones. Yes, God wants us to go to those spaces, but it's never on our shoulders to make it happen. We step out in faith. We are sent. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer and close with a song? The breath of life, 
God's spoken word, his breath, creates dreams within us, purpose within us. It creates understanding and insight and judgment inside of us. His breath restores us. He brings dead things back to life. He heals the brokenness. He heals our bodies. He heals us. He restores our dreams. The breath of life speaks and sends us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And our job is to receive it. That's what he said. He said he breathed over them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the breath of life. Just like our physical lungs in our chest need breath to survive. We need the breath of God. We need the breath of life to thrive in our lives. And so God, we, we just now open ourselves to that. We welcome your spirit. We say, yes, God, we want to receive your breath of life. Thank you for how you've encouraged us this month in, in creating dreams and creating insight and restoring and the beginning of restoration in our lives that will continue throughout the rest of our existence. I thank you that you have sent us, not just because I know that it's hard work, but that we get to participate with a God and we get to see the inside the picture of when people are fixed when, when people receive grace for the first time and how it transforms them, and we get to participate in that. I thank you for that, that moment, those moments that are to come. And God, each one of us now, individually, let's just, each one of us just tell God, I want, I'm asking you, send me, God. Here I am, Lord, send me, like, like Elijah or like, like Isaiah said and like Samuel said and so many others heard the voice of God saying, will you go? Will you be my representative? And their answer was, here I am, Lord, send me. God, thank you for your peace in our lives. Help us to receive that peace. Help us to experience peace. Give us peace, God, in our, in our deepest and darkest of circumstances. Thank you for the story. Help us to see the story. Maybe we never thought of it that way. Help us to look back into our lives and see the times, the moments that you have been with us who we used to be, how far you've brought us, and see your hand at work. God, tell that narrative to us so that we can now share it with others. Give us opportunities. Give us the excitement, the boldness. Give us the dynamo, the power to speak out the testimony you put inside of us. And God, I pray that you would give us grace. Fill us overflowing with grace that we would not live in shame anymore. We would not live in guilt anymore. Help us to receive your forgiveness and your mercy. Let's look at you as the source of that, to say, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I receive that mercy and grace. And out of that overflow, God, show us people in our lives that need our grace, that need the grace that you've given us to be extended to them, the mercy, the forgiveness. Would you show us, be people to our minds even now, of people, broken relationships that we withheld it, we repent of that. I'm sorry for the times. I'm sorry for the times that I've held back grace and mercy. I pray you would heal bitterness, that you would restore relationships and that we would now offer grace and mercy. Thank you for this series. Thank you for your breath, God. We breathe it in every day of our lives. Restore us, create in us, and send us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com.
Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.